This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Army Chaplain Major Scott Squires followed military regulations when he told a lesbian couple he could not preside at a marriage retreat with them because his denomination does not recognize gay marriage. He did what the Army required by rescheduling the retreat with another chaplain who could preside. It took three days to reschedule. However, the lesbian couple refused to attend the retreat and instead filed a discrimination claim against Chaplain Squires and his assistant, Staff Sergeant Casey Griffin. A seven-month investigation resulted in finding of dereliction of duty against both Squires and Griffin, a court-martial offense, despite the fact that no laws or regulations were violated. Organizations such as First Liberty Institute and the Chaplain's Alliance for Religious Liberty came to the defense, asking the Secretary of the Army to reject the findings. Finally, Squires and Griffin's commanding general rejected the investigator's finding, and the two are now cleared of all charges. But it was a rocky and difficult path. I speak with First Liberty Attorney Mike Berry about the case on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. Rain and floodwaters in the Midwestern United States have some areas seeing record-setting levels of precipitation over the last two weeks. Wisconsin is among the states that have been hit hardest. Anywhere from 2 to 14 inches of rain at a time for two weeks straight saturates the ground, and as such, there's no place for the water to go. More rain is predicted this week, and much of the state remains under a flood warning. According to the Reverend Dr. John Willey, South Wisconsin District President, hundreds of members of LCMS congregations have been affected by the current flooding, as well as several LCMS churches. St. John's Lutheran Church in West Bend, Wisconsin, and St. Thomas Lutheran Church in Waldo, Wisconsin, both took several inches of rain. But the Zion Lutheran Church in LaVale, Wisconsin, has so far sustained the worst flooding, with damage to the sanctuaries, pews, carpeting, hymnals, as well as the church's educational wing and kitchen. The Reverend Dr. Ross Johnson, Director of LCMS Disaster Response, a mercy ministry of the LCMS World Relief and Human Care, and Reverend Michael Meyer, LCMS Director Response Manager, arrived in Wisconsin yesterday to tour the affected areas and visit a relief center that's being set up at St. Peter's Lutheran Church in Reedsburg, Wisconsin. The U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs clarified that it is free to work with whichever organization is best able to achieve the government's goals, providing optimal services to those in need. The guidelines explain that under current law, the federal government may not discriminate against religious contractors or subcontractors. Instead, all contractors, both religious and non-religious, must be permitted to compete for federal contracts on an equal playing field. A wide variety of charitable work across the country is done through government contracts with various organizations, including religious nonprofits. For instance, Catholic Charities USA contracts with the government to provide disaster relief services. Lutheran organizations contract to help immigrants and refugees. Muslim and Jewish organizations often partner with the government to provide faith-based and chaplain services. John Kyle, the pro-life former Arizona senator, will complete the Senate term of Senator John McCain, who recently passed away after battling cancer. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, who is pro-life, named Kyle as the newest Arizona senator to complete McCain's term. 
Kyle will reportedly not run for re-election when the seat comes up again in 2020. Kyle is a strong pro-life voice who supports defunding the Planned Parenthood abortion business. Abortion activists eviscerated Kyle during his previous time in the Senate for correctly pointing out that Planned Parenthood is little more than an abortion company. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi. I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, no, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. No. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. The work by the Hehe Wailongasi Lutheran Fire I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Mr. Mike Berry. He's the Deputy General Counsel and Director of Military Affairs for the First Liberty Institute. Mr. Berry, could you say a little bit about yourself and about your specialty with the military? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. And as you mentioned, I'm uh, Deputy General Counsel and Director of Military Affairs for First Liberty Institute. First Liberty Institute is a national nonprofit legal organization that focuses exclusively on defending religious liberty. Uh, We defend religious liberty for all Americans in our places of worship, in our schools, in the public arena, and obviously, as, as we're talking about, in the military. Uh, I'm a a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. I served on active duty for a little over seven years, and I proudly continue to serve in the Reserve. Mr. Berry, the reason we're speaking today is the case of Chaplain Scott Squires and his assistant, uh, Staff Sergeant, uh, uh, I believe her name is Kelly... um, Griffin. Casey Griffin. Casey right. Griffin, please uh, pardon me on that. Uh, they had run into some trouble over uh, the case of uh, not being able to counsel a uh, gay couple, as I understand. Although, indeed, they uh, they made arrangements, proper arrangements, as are required by military regulations, uh, for them to attend this uh, this offsite uh, uh, this offsite conference on marriage, but they were then really pulled up through the ringer and eventually were uh, accused of dereliction of duty, which is a court-martial offense. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I think it's important to, to set this up for folks that by explaining that, you know, every military chaplain 
uh, regardless of what denomination or faith group they belong to, is required uh, by Army regulations, by, by DOD regulations, actually by federal law, to follow and adhere to the teachings and policies and rules of their, the, the indom- denominations that endorse them as chaplains. So in the case of, of Chaplain Squires as a Southern Baptist, he has to follow the rules put in place by the Southern Baptists. You know, a Catholic chaplain would have to follow the rules of the Catholic Church, and so on and so forth. Uh, in this case, the Southern Baptist Convention prohibits its chaplains from providing any religious services uh, to same-sex couples. And so by Army regulation and, and by federal law, Chaplain Squires has to comply with that. Uh, but what he did instead was, so in, instead of violating his religious beliefs and the teachings of the Southern Baptist Church, he made sure that, and he went out of his way to personally ensure that this couple who tried to, to register for a, a marriage enrichment retreat uh, as a same-sex couple, he ensured that, they, that the retreat was rescheduled with a different chaplain, a chaplain who was able to provide those services because they didn't have you know, the same kind of uh, uh, restrictions placed on them. And instead of showing up and attending that retreat, the, the couple filed a complaint of discrimination against Chaplain Squires and the, the chaplain assistant, Staff Sergeant Griffin, instead. What was the uh, the contention? I, I don't understand why the investigation didn't immediately clear Chaplain Squire since he was following uh, he was following army regulations. That, that's a great point. I, I don't understand either. You know that to me that would have been kind of uh, th- this investigation is going to be over before it starts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you look and you see the regulations require chaplains to follow the, the the teachings of their church. That appears to be what Chaplain Squires did. Okay, okay, he followed the rules. Case closed. Um, oh, by the way, he also happened to make sure that the, that the soldier was provided for. Okay, that's great. That should end the inquiry, right? But uh, no, the, the investigator uh, dragged this out for more than seven months, uh, eventually coming to the conclusion, as you pointed out, that, that both Chaplain Squires and Staff Sergeant Griffin should be found guilty of dereliction of duty. Anybody who served in the military knows that dereliction of duty is a very serious offense that carries with it uh, you know, you, it, it's basically a, a criminal offense that is uh, punishable by court-martial. Uh, if you're convicted, it, it carries potential time in the in a military prison, and you can be dishonorably, dishonorably discharged, uh, losing all of your military benefits, so on and so forth. So uh, both Chaplain Squires and Staff Sergeant Griffin were facing very, very dire consequences if, they, if, if the Army decided to follow through on these recommendations. And then we ran into uh, Major General Sontag, I believe is his name, Major General Kurt Sontag, and yeah, he right. apparently did not make a decision. Yeah, you know, again, it, it, it still baffles me as to why this dragged out for more than seven months. Uh, you know, I'm not privy to the internal kind of thought process or workings of what was going on in the Army or at Fort Bragg. I'm grateful. I know that my clients are grateful that at the, in the end, they were fully exonerated, that General Sontag ruled in their favor. It was absolutely frustrating and, and really uh, a head-scratching that this dragged out as long as it did. But, uh, you know, the old saying is justice delayed is justice denied. Uh, however, at the end of the day, you know, um, we, we, we achieved the result that was good and necessary here, and that was, like I said, a full exoneration for both Chaplain Squires and Staff Sergeant Griffin they will hopefully be able to carry on with their stellar careers 
uh, without any blemishes on their record. And, you know, look, people who serve in our military, as a veteran myself, I can tell you, we do give up some of our freedoms when we join the military. There are certain things, you know, freedoms that that, uh, normal civilians have that people in the military may not have. But one of the things that we've never given up as service members is religious freedom. Courts have held that. Federal law, DOD policy, all says religious freedom is fully protected for people serving in the military. So uh, I think that's the important lesson and takeaway from this. Well, I know that there was actually an appeal made to the Secretary of the Army to get involved on this case. Was this what uh, finally finally uh, resolved it, or, or how was this issue finally resolved? You know, I, I'm not sure. I, I would like to think it was kind of a, a little bit of everything, right? It was just continued pressure being placed on the Army to do the right thing. Uh, First Liberty Institute, even though you know we're the law firm that represented these clients, uh, we didn't necessarily stand alone. We had a lot of a lot of allies and, and organizations that, that were very grateful for their support uh, in, in this, uh, their support of both us and our clients. And uh, as you pointed out, though, there was a lot of pressure placed on the Army, both you know at, at the local level at Fort Bragg and then all the way to the highest levels, and at the Secretary of the Army level. And my, you know, the only conclusion I can come to is that at some point uh, that, that pressure became overwhelming and the Army decided to do the right thing. And so was the final ruling made by the Secretary of the Army or by General Sontag? No, the final ruling was made by General Sontag. So that, uh, you know, and presumably that will end the inquiry. And and like I said, our clients will be able to move on with their lives and their careers. Well, let's talk about that because we have, you know, Chaplain, uh, Chaplain Squires is an officer in the Army, uh, major, I believe. His, he has a long, distinguished career. He's decorated. And now he can move on. But we have this, the case of Staff Sergeant Griffin. And she's in a little bit of a different situation. Uh, she was nominated for what was called the uh, Green to Gold ca- uh, course, where, uh, where especially promising enlisted personnel are given things like college credits and put on a track to become a commissioned officer. Now, as long as this, this program remained open, uh, well, as long as this uh, charge against her was uh, still on the books, she had lost her place in that program. Is she going to get her position back? Yeah. You know, it's a good question. That's still kind of a little bit up in the air. Um, we're, I, I guess I would say uh, the best way to describe it is we are, we are still uh, actively engaged on that issue on behalf of Staff Sergeant Griffin. Uh, we're cautiously optimistic that she will be able to re-enroll in that program and go on to become a commissioned officer in the Army, as she so rightly deserves. In fact, she got outstanding recommendations, even my understanding, from a three-star general. Well, actually, she ended up getting two recommendations from the three-star general. And there were others who described her as being you know, one of the best soldiers that they have ever had the, the honor and privilege of serving with. So uh, this isn't just a, you know, an ordinary program for ordinary soldiers. This is, uh, as you said, a highly selective, uh, you know, prestigious program where only the, the very best are hand-selected and hand-picked to, to participate Staff Sergeant Griffin happens to be one of those. So, uh, like I said, she she very much deserves to to have a second chance to participate in in this program. I read the investigators' report today, and a couple of uh, issues there struck me. One, there's a lot of contradiction between what the 
uh, between what Chaplain Squires and his defenders had said, and with what the uh, find, uh, with what the investigating officer claimed, for example, uh, they were saying that he didn't really move ahead and notify the people he needed to motive uh, to notify. Where Chaplain Squires and his uh, and several other people were adamant that he had. Yeah, that was probably one of the more outrageous aspects of the investigation. It really shocked me, you know, that the investigator would uh, deliberately omit sworn statements, right? These are statements that are given under, under oath, under penalty of perjury, that uh, by senior military officers, and in one case, it was, it was Chaplain Squires' actual senior chaplain, who said, he talked to me on the same day that the same-sex couple registered for the event. He told me that there was a potential issue, and we discussed the, the various courses of action that he should undertake to, to kind of address this issue. And yet the investigator said that there was no evidence that Chaplain Squires ever contacted a senior chaplain. So, you know, you know either he, the, the investigator himself was uh, just completely asleep at the, at the switch and, and didn't do his job in fully reviewing all the evidence that he had gathered for his investigation, or he intentionally omitted that document and that statement from his report. Another thing that struck me was uh, some comments that were made concerning Staff Sergeant Griffin. Apparently, she and one of the uh, one of the women in the lesbian couple had been friends and uh, were friendly, worked out together in the gym, things like that. According to the report, apparently the uh, the lesbian has asked if she and her mate uh, could stay overnight, could stay for a while at uh, Griffin's house uh, while they were closing on a uh, on a house that they were trying to purchase. Griffin said no because she did not approve of homosexual marriage and did not want her young son to be exposed to, to a lesbian couple. This seems to be a little suspicious to me. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it is suspicious, but from a, from a legal standpoint, it, it is completely irrelevant to the investigation or to the allegations, you know, because that's, that's an event or, or, you know, if true, right, that those facts and circumstances are completely outside of the realm of what the investigator is supposed to be looking into. So why on earth he decided to include that as an investigation, perhaps to kind of destroy the reputation and credibility of Staff Sergeant Griffin in order to uh, better portray her as, you know, uh, guilty, so to speak. But, you know, again, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not privy to what the investigator's thought process is, but it, like you said, it's very, very suspicious and uh, very unfortunate that he decided to include that in his report of investigation. Another thing that really strikes me is I know that uh, chaplains of the military are very upfront about who they are, what their denomination is, what they can do, and what they can't do. And yet we have a, uh, a lesbian couple who approached a Baptist chaplain, and the Baptist faith is very upfront on their disapproval of gay marriage, and asked for counseling. What did they expect? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I actually think that's a much deeper issue uh, that deserves to be, you know, addressed kind of separately and independently. But uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever know what kind of the motivation behind all this was. It may have been a sincere desire to attend a marriage enrichment retreat, um, or it may have been something else. I, I, I don't know, and I, I suspect we'll never know. Uh, what I do know is that Chaplain Squires, uh, as he's done for the past, you know, 26 plus years in the Army, did his job. He did it well. He did it with honor and distinction. 
he didn't he did not deserve to have uh, this investigation hanging over his head but at the end of the day uh, as he's now you know as he's told me and others he's just grateful to put this behind him and, and be able to move on with his career and of course once the arrangements were made for uh, for an alternate to an alternate chaplain to, to conduct the uh, the retreat the couple decided not to attend I, I maybe it's my suspicious nature but it makes me wonder it is. It, it is suspicious. I mean, I, I agree. Again, there's there's just quite a few suspicious elements to this whole thing. You know, we can only speculate and, and, and conjecture as to what motivation might have been behind that. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we were able to, to get justice for our clients. And I think that's that's ultimately what matters most. Well, I work at the International Center for the uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, and the uh, director of the Mission to the Armed Forces is a, a chaplain by the name of Craig Mueller, whom I believe you may know. And Craig is the endorsing authority for all of our military chapels, and I believe the LCMS has the third largest number behind the uh, Catholics and the Baptists in, within, in terms of the chaplaincy. And while we have our own doctrinal problems with both the Catholics and with the Baptists. We are all united in the idea that marriage is between one man and one woman. What happened to Chaplain Squires could easily have happened to one of our chaplains as well. And we are very concerned about this. Yeah, and I think rightfully so. You know, you're absolutely right that this is not, uh, you know, if you really pull back the the lens to the 30,000-foot view, this is about far much more than just Chaplain Squires and Staff Sergeant Griffin. Um, this is about more than just uh, the Army or the Army chaplaincy. At its core, this is really about whether or not uh, men and women who are serving in our military are going to continue to be free to live out their faith openly and, and faithfully. And the military has, has, you know, since we've had a military uh, and since we've had a chaplaincy, which basically predates the, you know, the, the founding of this nation. I mean, in other words, as long as we've had a, an army in this country, we've had a chaplain corps, they have made sure that religious freedom is one of the highest ideals and, and values that we cherish as a nation. We can't, I mean, so to have a situation like this even arise in the first place is, is kind of scary, um, and it shows just how much work we still have to do to ensure that religious freedom in our military remains strong. Well, of course, we can uh, give support to our own chaplains, to our own agencies here. But what can we as individuals individuals do, uh, people of faith, not just Christians? I mean, there are Jews, there are Hindus, there are, are uh, Muslims, all of whom are represented within the chaplaincy corps. What can we do to ensure the religious freedom of our chaplains and of our uh, and of our followers who are members of the armed forces? Well, the the surest way to lose your freedom is to is to fail to defend it, right? To not stand up for religious freedom. Um, so the first thing that people need to do is to stand up and and take a stand. Uh, and and then the next, you know, the question that people inevitably ask is, well, what if I don't even know what what I'm allowed to do, what my rights are, et cetera. Uh, well, then that means the education is a very important component of that, right? How can you stand up for what your rights are if you don't even know what those rights are? So that's kind of part two. And then really the third piece is if you're really not sure or if you're stuck, if it's gray area, uh, if you feel like you're under attack or being threatened, call First Liberty Institute. That's why we exist. Our mission is to defend and restore religious freedom for all Americans, uh, so, you know, I mean, wh- why wouldn't you take advantage of this free resource? 
Well, just say someone like me who's not in the military but is concerned about this. Uh, I would go to First Liberty or I check out the website. How would I do it? How would I find out what's going on and what I can do to help? Just go to firstliberty.org online. It's all one word, firstliberty.org. We are constantly pushing out uh, alerts, information. You can sign up to receive email alerts if you prefer to receive via email. You know, anything that we're working on, anything related to religious liberty, uh, we've probably uh, spoken or weighed in on that issue. If it's, you know, if if your big thing is, is you really care about what's happening to houses of worship around the country, we have an entire, uh, uh, you know, section or department dedicated to defending religious liberty in our houses of worship. If it happens to be the military, then obviously that's something we focus on as well, uh, and, and many other areas too. So, uh, there's free resources available, there's FAQs, there's kind of how-to guides in terms of how to make sure that your religious liberty is protected. And again, it's all provided free of charge. And just to examine the, the broad scope of, of the issue of religious liberty, for example, I happen to know that First Liberty is also involved in the case of uh, Coach Kennedy, who's a high school coach who lost his job because he would say a silent prayer on the 50-yard line after a football game. And then there's a case of the Bladensburg uh, Cross, which was, erect, uh, which was erected in, I believe, Maryland to uh, honor World War I dead. And these are all being opposed. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I like to say that pretty much whatever your issue is, you know, whatever is the thing that, that gets people fired up and, and passionate when it comes to the issue of religious liberty, uh, we probably have a case or a client that speaks to that issue. So, again, I encourage folks to go to firstliberty.org find out more information about what's going on, what's happening in our country, all the attacks on our religious freedom. You know, this is our first freedom. It's the first freedom enshrined in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Uh, And again, uh, I know it sounds like a broken record, but, you know, if we don't take a stand and and defend our first freedom and and our constitutional rights, that's how they begin to erode, and we begin to lose those rights. So I encourage folks to go to firstliberty.org to learn how you can, how you can stand with us. Mr. Berry, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to discuss this issue and also to thank you and First Liberty for helping Chaplain Squires and Sergeant Griffin. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Anytime, sir. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.